Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This week, the Bookshelf Cinema is screening Cass and Dylan, Finding Vivian Meyer, Algonquin, Bethlehem, Le Weekend, and more. On Thursday, May 8th, Fortnite presents The Slackers at the E-Bar. That's The Slackers with the song My Bed is a Boat in the background. Uh, the Bookshelf is an independently owned culture hub located at 41 Quebec Street in Guelph. Visit bookshelf.ca for more information. Creative Control with Vish Khan. Here's a couple of things. The house behind me is under renovation, and it's just been a crazy cacophony of new country music and sawing and hammering, and it's making me nuts. But there's no music at the moment. I mean, you'd probably be able to hear it right now as I'm speaking to you, but it's, yeah, it's... Are they flushing me out? They might be trying to flush me out of my house. I don't know what's going on. Anyway, there's that. And then all of a sudden, I don't know what happened. Last night, my eye started watering. My right eye it won't, will not stop watering. This morning, I could barely open it. It was all like, I don't want to gross you out, but it was all like gunky. So something happened to my eye. I don't know what. It, what. I'm not having a good day. I don't think I'm having a good week. But I'm happy about this show. <laughs> That's how I segue into the show sometimes. Braids, a wonderful band from Montreal. I love Braids. And um, this is, you know, I mentioned, I think, last week on an episode that I've been digging through some of my archives of interviews. And in, the, in November of last year, just after Halloween, I met with uh, the members of Braids in a home in Mississauga where they were staying in between, you know, they were on tour. And, and they were going to play Toronto that night. So we met at a home in Mississauga. And on today's show, you're going to hear a conversation primarily with Raphael Standell Preston, Austin Tufts, and very briefly, Taylor Smith. Now, I love this band. Uh, their latest album is Flourish Parish. It's wonderful. They're playing some shows. at. Uh, they're actually touring throughout the United States over the next few weeks. It's sort of eastern and midwestern United States. They've also got two Canadian stops. One is in Montreal on May 10th at Il Motor, and then at the Horseshoe in Toronto on May 11th. So I thought this was good timing. Conversation still seems fresh to me. We get into it 
It's not a, you know, there's some, we, we go into some hard topics. The band is having, was having, slightly difficult time, you know, promoting their latest album. They, they lost a member of their band. It was emotionally draining for them. But, you know, as you'll hear, we had a nice, comfortable conversation about all those things. And as I say, I care about Braids. I like them as people. Great band. You're going to hear a song from their latest record called Girl. So yeah, what more could you want from an interview with Braids? It's got it all. Sit back. Enjoy it. I'm going to wait for hammering and new country music to start blaring from my backyard. The Eden Mills Writers' Festival and The Bookshelf are pleased to present Allison Wearing's award-winning one-woman show, Confessions of a Fairy's Daughter, Growing Up with a Gay Dad. This is happening at the E-Bar in Guelph on Friday, May 23rd. Based on her best-selling memoir, Wearing's compelling show tells the story of growing up with a gay father in the 1980s. Balancing intimacy, history, and downright hilarity, this is a captivating tale of family life, deliciously imperfect, riotously challenging, and full of life's great lessons and love. This all-ages licensed performance of Confessions of a Fairy's Daughter takes place at the E-Bar, located at 41 Quebec Street in Guelph, on Friday, May 23rd at 8 p.m. sharp. Tickets are now available at the Bookshelf Bookstore, also located at 41 Quebec Street, or online via ticketbreak.com. And for more information about the show, visit EdenMillsWritersFestival.ca. The E-Bar is not a fully accessible venue. So I'm going to have some of this coffee. Do you know that I, I only started drinking coffee this year? Why? Because you have a kid. Were you afraid before? No, I wasn't afraid. I just don't like crutches. I just don't like to rely on caffeine. But it doesn't or... have to be a crutch. It can be, though. A lot of people are like, I can't do it. I can't. Talk to me when I've had my coffee. Oh, you I hear people that? that? My, yeah. Brutal. Well, my mom's kind of like that. But, uh, but, I, but it's really endearing in my mother. No, I know. But I just didn't want to fall into it. I yeah. don't drink. I don't do anything I'm like a that. recreational coffee drinker. I drink it... For the pleasure of drinking coffee. I definitely drink it to drive. See, it's my crutch. Right. Yeah. That is the thing you can't drink and drive, right? You're supposed to drink coffee and drive. Drink coffee and drive. Yeah, that's a different thing. I I just mothers for coffee drinkers. (laughs) 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 I just uh, have like I tried to. I started drinking it gradually, and then when I would stop, I get these headaches, and I tell my wife, I'm like, oh man, I have this terrible headache, and she'd say, did you have coffee today? And I'd say no, and she's like, that's why. I'm like, so I'm addicted to coffee? Like, if, yeah, I don't drink the, if I don't drink the coffee, I get a headache now. Caffeine isn't running through your blood. Stupid. Yeah. I, I shouldn't. E- e-cigarettes in coffee flavor. Should they make those? Do they make those? They make Yeah. Those. Oh, they do. Coffee-flavored e-cigarettes? They might. John! Yeah. Did they have coffee-flavored e-cigarettes? Coffee-flavored cigarettes? Yes, they do. They're freaky right now, the e-cigarettes. We're, oh, we're, we're all about... Uh, 
Are you guys smokers? Generally? No, none of us are smokers, but we are importers of illegal contraband. Of illegal <laughs> e-cigarettes that are not sold in Canada. Only. Oh, are they not only, sold there? No, only. Well, in they America are sold, but in UK. not the ones with uh, with nicotine in them. Yeah. You can't. You can't get like our. I guess our Canadian oh, government is. Uh, yeah, Jerry makes good coffee. Hey? Sorry, serious coffee. I was listening. Do you want to you, but... see it? This is what we brought. It's. You actually bought. This coffee is for flavored. Jerry. Well, no, this is actually. Look at this thing; it's crazy. Sh- should I have? Should is it, is I have do it you s- have you ever smoked? Yeah. I used to be a heavy smoker. <clears throat> during so you know, speaker, actually. But it, this is not. This is no smoke. This is no smoke, but this is nicotine. Like, watch. So you light this, and then you go. Yeah, where does the smoke come it's from? Vapor. It's vapor. Why? Why would they do that? Why does it have it to be vapor? Like you could. You can smoke this in a movie theater. No, it does smell. I smell it. And what does it smell like? tobacco it's yeah it's but there's but no it's, bleach there's no formaldehyde bleach <laughs> bleach <laughs> no, there's no, no, all no, kinds no. there's all kinds of crazy totally things wicked's patriot range cigarettes there's what? really crazy stuff there's like rat poison formaldehyde yeah but this stuff it's just nicotine with vapor with flavor with flavor that's crazy it's pretty weird like i feel kind of like woo from the nicotine yeah that's weird. Yeah. But there's no smoke, so it's kind of like you can no, just. No, again, I disagree. That was sort of smoky. You no, the, admitted it was vapor. It was vapor smoke. It was something was emitted into the air. <laughs> it wasn't just. I've seen people do this at concerts and stuff lately. I'm like, what are they doing? And then. It's all the rage. 2013. Buy some stocks. Really? E-cigarette stocks. Oh, it's gonna be huge. It's gonna be. Really it is huge. But it's like it's an evil thing that you would that you'd give money to. So I don't know. I'm wondering. I might I might buy into is it. Is it less evil than tobacco? Well, it's much it's much less evil. Much less evil. I think it's less harmful for your body. There's there's no tar. Well, there's no addictive. smoke. Isn't the isn't the purpose to wean people off of real cigarettes? Yeah. I think that was the original like selling feature. Now I think it's just kind of its own little endeavor. You know? So when you take a pull off one of these things, was that the first you haven't that's I did the, it yesterday for fun. So do you get the sensation that you would have had as a smoker? No, because for me, smoking is, uh, and I think for a lot of people, smoking is like very romantic. You know, it's like, oh, having a cigarette and you pull on it and you have this stick. and that, It's on that, fire. You've lit on something fire. on You've fire and on put fire. it near your You're face. It's very it. carnal. You know? it's yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's Whereas true. Whereas that's very, um, that's just a big chunky e-cigarette. It's like a thing that you plug into your computer with it USB. It looks like a digital hookah. Yeah, it does yeah, look it like does. a digital hookah or digital cigar. Yeah, you charge it via so it's, USB. It's not sexy that? at all. You so do I don't not. feel you sexy actually doing do. it. It's got a USB you charge, charger. You charge it through your computer? It's yeah. so 2013, it's ridiculous. Like, it hurts. It's retarded. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right, if you say so. Why are we in Mississauga? Um, We're in a living room in Mississauga. You guys are on a leather couch. Yeah, it's lovely. You're literally sitting on a wooden carpet. What do you mean I'm living? Oh yeah, I am. Sorry, I didn't even notice that. I'm not. I'm sitting on a chair, but below me, <laughs> there is a wooden carpet. Yes. Yeah. Listen. Yoga. Totally. It's a wooden carpet. I feel nice on the that is nice. We're, and we're sitting on a leather couch in this very nice living room. Who's whose home is this? So Jerry Rudd's. Jerry. Man's girlfriend's parents. Sound man girlfriend's parents' house. Sound man girlfriend's parents' house. Now, how long have you been here? Just since last night. Yeah, like a day. You were here for Halloween. We were here yes. for Halloween. Handed up Halloween. candy in Mississauga. It was so fun. See, here, let's, let's let them. Got Skittles, Snickers, Rolo nerds. Nerds, yeah, wow. Look at that. I just grabbed a Snickers, and I'm going to grab another for the road. <laughs> I, I, I just like Snickers. We, I, you know, we gave, I wasn't happy with the candy we gave out. What did you give out? Well, I don't want to sell anyone's brand name in case they potentially want to sponsor this podcast, but... <laughs> Coffee crisp, you know, which is fine. 
In fact, coffee my, crisp is good. Yeah, yeah. My dad's a coffee crisp fan because he's a coffee fan. I'm just saying. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, That's the only yeah, reason. Definitely. Huh. Do you think they'll be e coffee at some point? <laughs> E why coffee? not? I mean, why not? Just this take a toke off your e-coffee. USB charge. Give me a hit of that e-coffee. <laughs> <laughs> There's, there was Kit Kat, which is good. Oh, that's the, the bomb. I like Kit Kat. And then there was Smarties and Arrow. Mm. Good stuff. It's okay. I got 120 pieces of it at the Costco. And oh, then I brought yeah. it home and I just... Oh, at the Costco there. Yeah, at the Costco <laughs> there. And I I just had been grazing on it for a month since I went. I just was there like a month ago. So you ate the whole thing? I didn't eat the whole thing, but I was eating it. And then I haven't felt good lately. And I'm like, maybe this because of the stupid candy. It's all just like chocolate cardboard, right? It's like yeah. not good. No offense again to any potential sponsors. But I just feel <laughs> like other people... And then my son went out. He's two. And he didn't get it. He didn't like Halloween. He, really? He went Th- to like four houses and he came he back with nothing. That. And I, what's that? Did he say this sucks, Dad? He said it was scary. He found like jack o' lanterns frightening. He found the so costumes. It for him. Yes, yes, yes. In terms of the fear, <laughs> he was totally afraid. But it must have been nice for you to be away from your home and still be able to participate it was in a so thing. So nice. Yeah, yeah, I was so excited when I knew we had Halloween off and I this bought is, a witch hat. Yeah, this has been like the most homey 15 hours of oh. the last two months. This is the kind of thing when you're on the road, a house like this is just paradise it's absolute paradise like this all, feels like, like a tour ha- this is like this like i'm familiar with this sensation hmm. this feels like the exact house you want to oh my god you get to a house like this yeah. and there's not cats everywhere i know there's a cat here there's somewhere a, there's a bitchy cat here <laughs> her name's Pr- princessa babuza oh there princessa you go Pr- Pr- princessa babuza well there's no reason why a name like that like a cat with that name wouldn't put on airs right exactly. yeah yeah just strutting around and i were hissing at each other because there's one princess and then there's another princessa and she wanted to sit on that couch, and I was sitting there, and she goes, Hee! so I went, ah! <laughs> and her ears went back, and she ran away. Cat fight. Yeah. I wish I'd seen that. Princess. I hope she shows up. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, this is like a little oasis, right? You've been how long? Have you been on tour? Uh, two months. Two months. I know more than two months. More than two months, and yeah. then before that, I was on tour. I've been on tour almost. You all were on tour with your other yeah. Blue, Blue Hawaii. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. So you've just been constantly traveling. So this yeah. is nice. It's nice to be. In a, I'm glad I came to Mississauga. It's really nice. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for the. T- Guelph's kind of far from here, right? It's a little bit far. Yeah. yeah thanks for it? thanks for trekking. I have a car. It's fine. There's yeah. a crazy accident. On, I don't know how I'm getting home. The opposite side, the way I was, you know, the westbound. Yeah closed there oh, was like no. a f- unfortunately there was a fatal accident today oh no depressing but they yeah it's all you can't you <laughs> sound like a jerk i could but i gotta pick up my kid i might come back maybe i should come to your show you're you playing should tonight. definitely come to the all show. right i'll try to come to the show it's late we've been playing late i don't know why the shows are so late it's not really late we're it's, well it's 11 30 that's late who else is on the bill 100 waters they're really great 100 waters 100 waters who are they a really great band from florida are you on tour with them yeah okay They've are been- they here in the house? No, they're not. They're they're hiding in the basement. <laughs> That's where we keep them locked up. Okay. Okay. Um. Yeah, we've been on tour with them for about three weeks now. Them and another band called Kodak to Graph. Okay. Um, he's like a solo, like electronic beat producer, and they're like a four-piece. I guess it's similar vibes to Braids. But much more folky, Joanna Newsomey. Okay. But like also sort of endeavoring huh. in more electronic sounds as well. And yeah. Yeah, they're very, very good. That seems um, to be a thing. That's a thing that's been happening. I want to talk to you about it without. I want to talk to you about this thing, without sounding like an old man, like a square. <laughs> like what's the, the beats and the kids? Like I don't want to sound like that. <laughs> like a gray hair. Yeah, I yeah. got some sil- salt nice. and pepper. I, like I, you know, my mom the other day. I was, you know, I've been looking for work, and she says, <laughs> she says to me, she says, uh, you know, Vishal, you know what you should do maybe is maybe I know you don't want to do it maybe, but maybe. 
dye your hair. <laughs> and I was like, what? Like, I didn't know where she was going with it because I thought she was going to be like, you know, take it easy on your temper, you know, be nice to everyone. She's like, you know what would be good? <laughs> dye your hair. I can't believe I'm doing an accent. That's terrible. But anyway. No, no. It's, it's, she has an Indian accent. I know that your name is Vishal. My whole first, yes. Because one of my really good friends from New York, he plays in a band called Empress of. And, oh. Uh, his name is Vishal. He's I from, he's like, from Calcutta. I feel like I know this. I feel really? like I know about this band, and I feel about I know I know that there's another they're good Vishal. Of ours. Yeah, oh yeah, very good band and yeah, very it, nice people. The actual translation of the name is great or big. Really? Yeah. Great or big. yeah. He's very tall. Well, he's, there you go. Yeah, I'm also not a slouch yeah. in the height department. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm doing all right. Yeah. yeah there's something. Uh, anyway, are you, are you? Is your family from Calcutta? No, no. Uh-huh. My mom is from Bombay, and okay. my dad is, or sorry, Mumbai. Okay. And my dad is from Delhi. Okay. Yeah, so they're from in, they're Indian. When did they come, move here? Uh, seventy five, seventy six. Yes. So were you born? I was born here. I was born in uh, Kitchener, Ontario. For really? some reason, we were raised in Cambridge. I don't know. Maybe they were out. In, I don't know why I was in the Kitchener Hospital. Okay, sorry. This yeah. for people who are not listening. It's no, about a great. half an hour distance between the two cities. Yeah. They're not the same city, but for some reason, I was born in Kitchener, not in Cambridge. Okay. So I don't know. Maybe why. Maybe there was a better NICU. You know. I have a weird memory of my birth. In that, really? I, <laughs> you do not have. I do kind of have a foggy notion that, or maybe it's like a story was told to me. That's what happens. I think so, and then it became a memory. Yeah, you know that happens yeah. sometimes. That happens. I feel like my mom was shopping, like, and then in Kitchener, and then just rushed to the hospital. Which is, like, these days you have a doctor. You know, you you have yeah. a whole procedure, but somebody watching. You potentially, like... something happened, and she had to. Oh, I was premature. Were you? So was like Taylor. six weeks or something. I was premature too. And then I gained like 10 pounds oh. in the first like three weeks. I had to live in a incubator. You would have been? I would have been if my mom had oh. me on time. My father was 16 pounds and my grandmother was four foot. How old is she? Four foot 11. Four foot 11. You, you had to ask, you had oh, to ask she's Austin? She's so short. Oh, okay. That's weird. I just don't know. But it's your relative. Yeah, but yeah, I'm very close too. Austin's okay. been in my family since I was 12. And he, I'm an honorary family member. He has his own bedroom at my house. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I, so I, he's been with me and my Nana a lot. Okay. Nana passed away. Oh, recently, I'm, I'm sorry. But in a very beautiful way. Oh, I'm sorry. She was gathering apples under her tree oh. at the age of 93. And she, oh, and I, she passed away. Yeah, so I lost okay. my... my uh, I've lost both my grandmothers in the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's tough. Sorry. it's tough. It is tough, yeah. And uh, But uh, I haven't been to India since 1989. Your friend maybe has been to Calcutta since then? Yeah. Since I think he goes back every year. He's there, right? Oh, they're still there. He, yeah, he's the only one. He he Work visa? Here? He's living in America on a work visa. Oh, okay, okay. Um, and he's like, uh, I think he went to Berkeley to, oh, okay. to study jazz performance, drumming, and... And then I think he's just been kind of like riding out student visas and work visas and like working in restaurants and stuff like that. Yeah. To make make ends meet, but I think it's very difficult for an Indian man like to try and get a green card in yes. in America it's as, a, as a musician. It's difficult for Indian men all the time. Mm-hmm. I can tell you, it's difficult. I'm having difficulty as an Indian man. It's not easy. <laughs> yeah, just getting work. Just doing whatever as you a want. Canadian citizen. Yeah, yeah, even as a Canadian, it's yeah. tough. I'm from Kitchener. I mean, give me a break. <laughs> Um, an no, Indian I, from Kitchener. An Indian from Kitchener. That, that'd so, be a good radio show. It name. sounds like a song by Sting. Yeah. Or it sounds like one of those bad, uh, like CBC, CBC shows. Sure. You know the ones on television? Yeah. Like seven? Yes. Yeah. Like after Wheel of Fortune and Jeopardy yeah, and all that? Like kind of, you know, lasts for like a year. They're trying it out. <laughs> <laughs> an Indian from Kitchener. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then it goes away yeah, and you're like, what happened to that show? And I know, no one watched the show. No. Yeah. 
Anyway, my point was, before we started on this tangent, was that I don't want to sound old and square. But uh, I do want to talk about uh, the beat stuff. Mm. There's a lot of more electronic stuff happening. Yes. Last time... Like the beat poetry movement. Yes. In San Francisco. Kind of. That's how old I am. Computers. Yes, yeah. exactly. No, I feel like... I mean, this is a band that... The last time we spoke, it was kind of a guitar-oriented band, but there was these electronic flourishes. But now... As far as I know, I haven't seen you live, but it seems like the guitar stuff is kind of gone. It's coming back. Coming back. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but did it disappear for a little bit? For a little bit. I was a little disenchanted with it just because... Um, is Are you okay holding that? Oh, that's great. Okay. Uh, just because I was playing it so much and uh, kind of required to play it rather than having a desire to play it. Uh-huh. Just like playing Lemonade every night, that lick. Oh my god, da 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 Playing that for like three years every night. You were kind of bored. I was really bored. I was like, screw this instrument. This is annoying and it's really heavy when did on you my take shoulders. Up, when did you take up the guitar? Uh, when I was 17, 17 or 16. My uncle bought it for me. Okay. And, uh, and yeah. But you, I, manip- you would manipulate that thing. Like it wouldn't, would. it wouldn't yeah, sound just, like, it wouldn't sound just like a guitar. That's the thing that's is why, we'd spent, yeah. we'd spent the better half of 2011 and 2012 like, making our guitars not sound like guitars. Yeah. And um, I think that a lot of that was a result of listening to a lot more electronic-based music and a lot listening to a lot more synth stuff and mm-hmm. going on tour and discovering all this new, like, new palette of, of sounds and then not really having any other platform to express those sounds other than the guitars. So we went out and bought a bunch of effects pedals and tried to manip- manipulate the guitars as much as we could um, to get them to sort of reflect those sounds that we were really excited about Mm -hmm. and i think once we had the ability to kind of go into the studio to start the the writing and recording of flourish parish we kind of reassessed the entire situation and said like Mm -hmm. okay we're like what do we actually want to do here uh we're not limited um to any instrument we're not limited to anything and like we want to incorporate the computer more and more into our compositional process so how like what are we hearing? And then we were just, we did like a lot of thinking and, um, we wanted to do also do something that was very different from native speaker, like the whole process. We didn't want it to be the same thing. Cause we knew how to write songs as a band and how to use those instruments and, and how to write a song from the ground up, like in a live environment. And we just really wanted to challenge ourselves on Flourish Parish. So we flipped everything around, huh. and had a completely different songwriting process and collaborating process. And, I think a lot of that also came from a desire to like uh, express different emotions. Mm-hmm. When you're, I don't, I don't know if you have much experience. Like, do you play music at all? Yeah, yeah. So I play drums and I play. <clears throat> I just started taking piano lessons. Oh, oh nice. That's so cool. That's cool. Yeah, it's I'm not. It's okay. I'm doing all right, but I I'm going to stop the lessons because I can't afford it right now. But mm-hmm. I I only took it up because my son is really interested in music mm-hmm. right yeah, now. That's cool. That's so cool. Yeah, it's probably fleeting. He's two years old. I mean, he's interested <laughs> in anything. I'll see if you know. Yeah, I want. Well, I I'm not, I'm not I'm not even trying to push it. I just wanted to have the vocabulary mm-hmm. to explain. I've been playing drums since I was 16. Mm-hmm. Kind of can play some rudimentary guitar, but just didn't know any theory. So I picked up. I thought piano seemed piano's always. And I don't know, do you play? keyboards yeah, at all yeah, a little bit, a little bit. yeah I, I started having to learn it for flourish parish right yeah. so uh it always just seemed like this enigmatic giant puzzle to me i was just like i don't get it that's the most these... logically laid out instrument exactly in the world, that's what i've discovered mm-hmm. it's very logical once you start learning about it and i just didn't know so uh sorry but why do you ask if i it's just because there's there's something about 
like when you're playing music live or when you're uh, writing with when you're writing with other musicians you know uh, and you're vibing out on specific ideas in a room with them and it's all live and you're all struggling to keep this thing up you know you're like you're all super physically involved with it and it it automatically injects this certain amount of energy into things and it makes it very sort of very ecstatic environment and I think a lot of the songs on Native Speaker were a direct result of that. We're very energized and, and very... Um, You're talking about the kind of physical, emotional, collective energy that you've kind of ha- mm-hmm. have to harness to make the songs you make. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. But it's like if you suddenly you know, stop playing your guitar line that yeah. you like, wrote two hours Like to ago, listen to what's going on. Yeah, then... It totally changes the changes vibe. changes the vibe and you know, people are like, oh, what, what are you doing? And you're not exactly like forwarding the song. So you really have to keep this energy up. Whereas on Flourish Parish, by us not having to play for eight hours at a time. By being able to like record, like have an idea, idea, record the idea. Yeah. Um, you, you recorded your first, I mean, you recorded, not your first record, you recorded Native Speaker on your own, right? Yeah, but that and was... And Flourish Parish too. And, and Flourish Parish on your but own. But Native Speaker was, all, all, the, all the songs were completely written. Oh, I by see. By the time that we went into the studio mm-hmm. to record it. I see. Um... So like we had full, every single song was completely uh, finished by the time that we went in to record it. So we knew exactly what everything was going to be. Right. And then it was just recreating that in a recording environment. But Flourish Parish was a recording experiment. I see. Um, so we wanted to be able to express more subdued emotions, more like, um, I think we were all moving towards being slightly more introspective and a little bit more um, somber. somber. And yeah, as I mean, people and I mean lyrically, and, it's it's quite wild. It's a very internal record. It's mm-hmm. a lot about what's going on in one's mind and mm-hmm. perception. I mean, that's what a lot of lyrics are. But it seems very much. And I, Raph, are you primarily responsible for the lyrics? Mm-hmm. It does seem like a lot of. I mean, literally, you're singing about being in your own head. Yeah. At various points. Yeah. So what what's going on? Uh, I think well, during Native Speaker, I had a little bit of a mental breakdown, or like a big mental breakdown. Like it was really during the making of the record. Yeah, during the making oh. of the record, and then when we released it, um, was you know super scared of going on tour and almost didn't go on tour, um, and you know had to go see like a psychiatrist and the psychologist and all huh. that kind of stuff. So I guess started wrestling a lot with like uh, mental illness and was very much in my head, and I think. You know, during the touring of Native Speaker and then Flourish Parish, uh, trying to learn how to get out of my head <laughs> a little bit, and I'm now more so on that path. So yeah, it's a very internal record. For it's sure. a, that's interesting because uh, going back to what I was trying to get to earlier about how I'm seeing a lot of bands. It's a trend. It's maybe it's not a trend, but it's definitely a pattern. Mm-hmm. It's a slight distinction between trend and pattern, mm-hmm. where a lot of guitar-oriented bands are experimenting more with electronic textures and in most of those cases the music uh that is created because of the template that they're kind of experimenting with it becomes more joyous more dancey i guess is the word and certainly there are aspects of this record that seem to be in that vein but not really it's actually to me a very dark record yeah i think for us it was very much the opposite we went out and explored this uh this technique of writing using the computer and everything to be able to express more solemn emotions, to be able to be more delicate and more intricate with the like the shaping of 
really like subtle emotions Mm -hmm. and have it less be like in your face and less angsty and i think it was we'd all grown up a lot like yeah we wrote native speaker when we were 17 and 18 like that's where we were like teenagers you know and then we toured that how old are you now i'm 23 23 yeah i guess maybe we wrote it when we were 19 uh, 18, 19. Eight, seven, yeah, seventeen through nineteen. Sure. And um, kids, you, you were you were kids. Yeah, you yeah. grow up a lot when you're like like nineteen through twenty three. Yeah, you yeah. grow up a lot. You love a lot. You experience a lot of things. And we like, were just in Halifax, all of us, because you guys were playing, and yeah. I was there for the pop explosion. And I saw you, and I said, "Do you remember what I said?" I I, I thought first of oh, yeah. all, is that you for look? Me? Yeah, you've really grown up. You, you said, seemed really tall yeah. compared to the last time I remember seeing you. You seemed like such a little kid every other time i've seen you and i you know on some level as a percussionist myself or a drummer myself i was always really amazed at how accomplished you are for your age I, i'm really i really admire your playing and i was like this guy's just like a little kid and then i saw you <laughs> maybe it's because i'm always sitting down when you see maybe because <laughs> of your instrument yeah <laughs> but yeah have you spread it up a little bit was i wrong yes. about that i don't think i have well, you've he's Austin's been exercising and becoming more of a man in his shoulders yeah you seem like a man you seem <laughs> like you went from boy to man I've really become a man to be a, I mean to be honest uh no <laughs> first was about me discovering my manhood <laughs> I don't know I uh I was wearing boots Vish I, I know anyway my the point is you have matured as people since you made the last record yeah and I think we were like Personally, I'm questioning a lot less. <laughs> I, You're I, questioning a lot less. Yeah, I feel a lot more like confident and like um, stable in yeah, like in like in like what I have to offer as a as a person. And so, like, I think um, I think Flourish Parish is a lot more stable of a record, like a lot less fleeting, a lot less. Um, well, even the the title as an expression kind of hits the kind of. I don't know the life cycle head on in a way. Absolutely, like the that's idea, what it's about. You know, yeah. life and death is basically what it is. Is the dichotomy that I'm picking up on and kind of confronting that. But I mean, I didn't realize how difficult that time was for you. And I mean, yeah. and with the parting of of Katie too, there is like right. there's just so much emotion flying around. Well, that record. but if we're let's, you're saying that you were going through this sort of mental anguish during yeah. the, the last record. Well. Uh, kind of. It was leading into the record. I remember like writing Victoria, and I was totally like off my rocker and wasn't able to sleep and wasn't eating and I wasn't eating. Sorry. So yeah, I don't know. It's just like I think ever since we started experiencing more pressure as a band and and wanting to perform at um, like a higher level, just putting pressure on ourselves, I started having difficulty with like mental stability and yeah. stuff like that. So It is a lot of, you say you were kids, that's a lot of stuff to kind of, you know, you're suddenly being thrust into a public position. Yeah. Uh, and and it's not uh, as glamorous as it can sometimes sound. I mean, we're talking about you being in a suburban house and what an oasis it is here in Mississauga. Yeah. And it's, the road is tough. Oh, it's so hard. And it is yeah. hard. And, and, and to actually, you know, as you were doing this when you were, barely 20 i guess really so i yeah. mean that's a lot to deal with mm-hmm. so i can see where that i just didn't you know every time we've hung out it's been a fairly i thought jovial oh yeah we kind of met on really cool terms like totally. it just we got along quite early i think even so. i think like if you're going through a sad time you still have those points where you're really really happy and especially when you're you're meeting people who like your music or who really appreciate what you do or yeah. who want to be behind you, it's like it's such a great thing. And so you're really happy at that time. But when you're 
writing a song and you're just alone or you're just with a friend that you've known since you were 12 and have gone through all these experiences with, you can really, uh, you can really open up and right. express that. So, And I think maybe that's one of the reasons that our music is what it is, is because we're so comfortable with each other. Mm-hmm. There's no, there's I'm no embarrassed about being any one way, any which way with anybody. So, so then like the music and the creative process becomes very much like a, an open slate for like whatever is going on in our lives, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. So I don't feel um, scared or intimidated to like fully be open or fully expressive when I'm playing music with these guys. And like, I think Raph's the same way. I think most people wouldn't feel comfortable enough, like singing about lots of the things that she does and, and being that open with like <clears throat> with the public, like let alone with their band members, you know? Well, this, this is touching upon a lot of things I want to get to. Uh, you mentioned that uh, Katie, your mm-hmm. band member, left. Your bandmate left. Uh, this is someone else you've been friends with for, for a, long, for a time, long, yeah. long time, since school and high school? 16, yeah, yeah. 15 or 16. So let's talk about that a little bit. I mean, I know you've covered it in other mm-hmm. media outlets, but uh, what happened there? Why? It sounds to me like what Austin was just hinting at is that you were at a place where everything's simpatico. And presumably it wasn't while she was in the band. Is that fair? Mm, Yeah. I mean, I think a lot can change, uh, like in the same way that like I've changed so much from when we were like writing native speaker till now, like, uh, the relationships in the band have changed a lot too. And when you go on tour with somebody for like 18 months or whatever, and you're constantly put in a million different situations, um, you know, there there's a lot of struggles and anguish sometimes and uh things didn't always get on necessarily in the in the best ways it doesn't work <coughs> i think it's rare for it to work all the time yeah exactly yeah. when you're traveling and in, in this and unfortunately like you know there's always an ebb and a flow like uh in any relationship but sometimes periods go like relationships go through like extended downs or extended ups yeah and uh i think like with with the four of us uh, specifically between like the three of us and, and Katie, we unfortunately just were going through an extended down period during the beginning of the writing of Flourish Parish. And, and the end of the native speaker tour. And it's like well. nothing to say that like it wouldn't have come back or it wouldn't have like, we wouldn't have been able to work through it. if. There's, like, there's, <laughs> there's just like a naked sound man in a towel that just walked by. Six foot seven in a towel. All man. All man. All man. <laughs> all man. <laughs> nice. Um, so that, this it, it, is it a, just an. Ex- I don't know if this is crazy, but, mm-hmm. or it's maybe just very reductive. But it is. You've gone from having a female counterpart into the band to be surrounded by nothing but men. Oh my! Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row, dreaming of something better? Well, Hello Fresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If Only in Theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. God, it's so different. Is it weird? Is it better? It's, uh, well, it's, I think it's better in the sense that like we're a lot healthier as a band and there's a lot less fighting and there's a lot less strife, but I definitely miss, uh, having some female energy around because yeah. it's a lot of male, Yeah. but these, but these boys are kind of metrosexuals. They're, <laughs> they're pretty, they're pre- they have some pretty girly sides to them and they're very sensitive. Sure. So that's really nice. But definitely like when I meet other women on the road, I'm like, oh my God, it's so nice to talk to you. Like, let's talk for two hours. Like, let's go have coffee. Yeah. Or at a festival, like pull them aside. I'd be like, let's have a drink. <laughs> and they're like, oh my God. It is important to you. <laughs> yeah, it's very important. It's, the women are very different from men. <laughs> <laughs> There's two genders. They're different. <laughs> at least at least two. Yeah. Uh, yeah at okay. Least two. At least two. So, so it's, yeah, it's different. So that's weird. Sorry, Austin. You were before the naked man. Were, did you were you able to finish your last thought? Yeah. Yeah, I was just sort of saying that, um, you know, we were, in a down we were sort of in an extended down period at the, like, when we were first going into writing. But there was also, a, wasn't there also, like, kind of artistic differences beyond... Well, that's what yeah, I'm sort of getting oh. at, is, you know, is, yeah. like, <clears throat> um, because we were kind of in a, in a weird down period, it's kind of hard to be fully connected with somebody when you're having problems. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, creatively. Um, and... We were all trying to move in a totally new direction, and we were all um, embracing that in very different ways and at very different rates and diff- different paces. And um, for me and Katie, at, at the very beginning of the of the songwriting process, it was really difficult to embrace working in a more electronic environment where we weren't like, like I said, holding the vibe up by by like jamming and creating yeah, like, the energy. You know, like as a percussionist, it's like. I'm so physically involved and she was so physically involved in the music that like doing a more sort of um, like hands off, like sitting around a computer, being more thoughtful and like uh, almost like producing a record together. That was like, that was a very different experience for us. So it took some time. There's live percussion on the album, right? Oh yeah, tons. Yeah. Mostly live percussion. Austin playing drums for five hours while we worked out drum or while we worked out like guitar licks and vocals and, because I can see where your resistance might come from as a drummer when you're exploring this new kind of sound. Mm-hmm. These machines are taking your work away from you a little bit. Mm-hmm. I mean, not really. They're like, for me, it's enabling me to be creative in a different way. I yeah. think that when we were first started recording, that's how you felt, though. Is yeah, I think I, I first, very recently, Austin's really started to embrace Ableton, and he's been beat making, and we've been listening to his beats in the van. He's like really excited about it. So I think finally now, like. But I mean, f- like it enabled me to be creative in a totally different way. I was able to, I was able to be more, way more expressive, like harmonically and melodically uh, than I ever was behind a drum set, you know? And like, I'm not just a drummer. I'm a composer and a musician, you know? So like that was really enabling and I had to sort of embrace that and, and embrace the idea of like playing, like playing less and having it mean more. Like, so we'd be in a, in the studio for eight hours or whatever. And I'd maybe track like two hours of drums or something like that. Or like we'd play for like two hours and the rest of the time we'd be like programming things and working through things. And it was a much more patient process. And it was really hard for Katie and I at the beginning to do that. 
and um unfortunately like i was able to find a pattern and a rhythm that worked for me uh in that process because i knew what i wanted to achieve at the end you know we had a vision of what we wanted it to be and i knew how i eventually found a way to get there but i don't think she ever really had the the clarity or the time to be able to develop that and uh so like that like creative struggle mixed with all the personal issues that we were having um we worked on that like in that sort of really struggling way for about four months mm -hmm. and i think that's some like something that like a lot of the other publications are like they just skip out on is the fact that you know we all we, we all, all tried really hard um with her and with the three of us like brainstorming for, um, like for so long to try and figure out how to make this dynamic work and like how to make her happy and you know she was always very vocal about like oh i want to try this and, and then we'd try that for a week or two and then she would want to say i want to try this and then we tried that for a week or two and um after doing that for four months it was like uh the three of us were like brimming with creativity we were like literally exploding at the seams and she was struggling a lot and mm -hmm. it was a really hard like dynamic to balance because we had a record in us that we needed to get out and I think she did too, but she just had no idea how. Do you feel like uh, this uh, process has been sort of misrepresented or maybe even underreported? Like the idea that I think it's been in Canada, it's been over. It's been focused on way too much. Like the fact that there's the, the severance. There's, yeah, like what does it matter? Like I've this happens to people all, all the, time the time in every in like. It's been such a focus with this the record release is, is Katie's departure and it seems like a very it's it, it's obviously like quite integral but just the amount of attention it's gotten it's like it's not the whole record at all I, I think so I don't know. I'm totally fine with talking about it but I want to talk about how it informs the record and how like how it created the record that we made I don't I'm so sick and tired of people wanting to talk about the drama behind it and like the personal issues and I like see. and like mm -hmm. the girl on girl battles and like uh like the it's, ego trips and stuff like that like that's that's so exterior to the music that has nothing to do with yeah, the music yeah it's a weird thing because if anyone it's spends just, it's just it's just uh tabloids sens sensationalism like nobody, exactly like for me i don't buy into that shit regardless of who it is so i don't want to talk about it sure know? no I, I think part of it is that when someone when the record comes out in this context and then someone spends any time with the lyrics mm -hmm. um you can read into you know lyrics are open to interpretation but if mm. you start to notice certain things keep that keep coming up yeah and um they could be about anything they could be about loss in well, so many ways but there seems to be i think oh a lot of it yeah a lot of it seems to maybe be a could be read as being sort of about this situation definitely so I think the idea of separating this from that like separating the Katie situation from what's on the record I don't think it should be separate, but I think just the fixation of like how difficult it was and how gross it was and why did she actually leave? Like the amount of Twitter messages that I get being like, tell me the real story. Like, don't mm. bullshit me. And I'm like, fuck off. Like, I don't know you. And like, I don't need to tell you my strangers arguments. are asking you this. Yeah. Like uh. a lot. Like when it's the, a very purian, it's a purian culture. Like people need to know everything. Well, all it's the because time. people can know everything because of, you know, facebook and twitter and everything is very public now what so. I, what i will say is that in my experience with the group katie was really fun katie was actually really warm and like mm -hmm. totally nice and i i never i had sort of limited uh you know experiences hanging out with all of you but katie just seemed fun i, I got along she's with katie fun, yeah. yeah yeah so i think part of it might just be like oh katie like she's so nice and awesome 
So I think some of this might be just stemming from concern for her, wondering where, I mean, where I don't know where Kate, where is Katie? What is she's, she doing? She's in Montreal. She's returned to finish her bachelor's in architecture okay. at McGill University. She's not doing, she's not pursuing music? Uh, I think on the side for sure. Um, I mean, she's a very creative person, extreme, like visually and musically. Yeah. And, and uh, I think she'll probably always continue to make music. I, I went to go s- watch her perform, like her first solo performance at Il Matore in Montreal, like three months ago or something like a week before the exclaim article came out and like ruined everything <laughs> oh in terms of i mean yeah it was like we were just start like katie and i were just starting to make amends and it's like i think people at exclaim like we were, we were very explicit with the people at exclaim to be very sensitive about things and we had i i talked with the public with the journalist for like three and a half hours on on skype and it was a very long in-depth conversation where we touched upon certain things and we um talked a lot about music talked a lot about the everything and he took like the shittiest parts of everything and put them into an article and it, it was so out of context and so everything was completely de- de- decontextualized and like um yeah i don't know it's especially because we had asked them to be so so careful about it you know we said like look we, ju- like, we just we just had a great conversation but we were open we were very open with you and like we would like you to be very um cautious like considerate considerate. about this you know because we're people and katie's a person and i I I just didn't think that they approached it in a very considerate way editor just butchered the news article it was made me want to vomit news article well Well, they they did like a so there was like the cover story yeah but then there was like just before the cover story came out the online online, oh they did the yeah yeah. the news piece or whatever Yeah. yeah and it was just like uh i didn't read the news piece it was pretty brutal it was just totally decontextualized and made us sound like really terrible people and and this uh, upset katie oh yeah so it was like i i so i hadn't talked to katie in a year and a half and then she, um i broke up with my girlfriend and i was going through a bit of a tough time and she reached out to me asking if i was okay and I, that was the first thing i'd heard from her in like a year and a half and i was like you know what i am doing well like thanks for getting in touch and uh, she invited me to come see her show. We like talked and hung out and it was really nice. And then, uh, this news piece came out and she was just like, I want nothing. From your perspective, I haven't read the news piece. What was the content of the news piece that would have, uh, uh offended just, her? I think she, uh, she, it was everything negative without an explanation, without like anything to give it context. Um, it was just like a lot of yeah just really negative things without any context that things that you said about her specifically about the experience it was like uh it it would it would be like having a a statement that was like uh i don't like this period but then not describing why you didn't like this so it was just a lot of really short snippets that gave a really negative spin on it and ian russell our uh the the head of flemish eye you know was on the I was on the phone with the editor being like, you got to take this down. Like, what the hell, man? And they're like, oh, it's already up. So, like, when I met the editor in the elevator, like, I came back when, when we were oh, at Halifax. Halifax. I was like, oh, I just met the editor. And I'm glad, you know, I didn't lose my tongue or anything. But Yeah, I mean, James said afterwards that uh, he'd heard that you were upset about the piece. And I was like, oh, why? I don't what's going mm-hmm. on. I didn't know any of this. Yeah. He said, oh, I just heard through the grapevine that it was... Yeah, I met the writer. I was really drunk. I met the writer at Polaris, and 
he was like hey I just wanted to meet you and I don't like holding grudges against anybody and I was just like oh yeah like I really I mean yeah peace and I gave him a hug and really like at the end of the day they're just doing their job and we're just doing our job and different approach than I think we wanted but you gave so so this caused all this all these problems and you gave the guy a hug well I said I was honest with him I was like I you know, I really don't like your, I didn't like your piece. It really upset me. I cried. It made me feel really unconfident. And, and I was like, uh, you know, I, I don't have any respect for it, but you know, it's okay. And he was apologizing and, and I was like, it's okay. Like we just have to move on. And I gave him a hug. So. It's a difficult thing for people in our position. I've been in this position on occasion. I tried to steer clear of these things and, but you uh, inevitably, you know, as you do things like this, like what we're doing, and mm-hmm. they get, uh, this is just going to go the way it is. There's yeah. not going to be, people are going to hear this organically. But in the print world, like, yeah, you've got so little space to tell a story. Yeah, a big story, A too. big story. Yeah. And you've got to kind of parse it out into these yeah. chunks. And so much gets missed, and people are like, oh, you know, it's a weird representation of what I said. And, yeah. you know, I'm, it sounds to me like you're level-headed about it. You kind of understand the game. I'm actually really glad that it happened because I learned so much about just how I want to conduct interviews and uh, who I'm comfortable with. Like, from the get-go, I didn't feel super comfortable with the interviewer, and I think I was trying to, like, be open to try and soothe it and to try and be more comfortable. But if you don't feel, like, super comforted right off the top, I wouldn't give too much information. And like the next day I had a great conversation with the National Post guy and he made me feel really good and huh. really comfortable. And I knew I could give him information and this he wrote stranger? a beautiful like, article. Did you, did you know this person before? No, I, I didn't, but mm. I just, uh, he was just asking like really insightful questions. And he's older. Like I find that older um, older journalists are, um, older journalists are, uh, they have a good head on their shoulders. Whereas like new younger journalists are trying to be sensationalists they're trying to yeah. be provocative they're uh they're you know they're trying to understand like th- uh, their own area so. the, the other side of this though is it's impossible for you as the subject of a piece like this to be objective about what someone would find interesting yeah well so <laughs> as much as you want to focus on the like ultimately and i'm not this is not me casting aspersions on what you did in this thing mm-hmm. it sounds like something happened and you didn't you're new to it you said you yeah, learned yeah, from it. New to it but you really have the ultimate control about what gets said about you, you. definitely do and and that's a problem that, that we have you know it's like as people i mean especially myself i'm just a very honest person and very open and sometimes i mean you know uh, we're still very young and we're still very new to, i mean yeah even we've done whatever 500 600 interviews or something we're still very new to the whole process it's mm-hmm. kind of funny to say that uh, but well, you're also treating it, I think, as a, I like a useful experience for yourselves. Yeah, but I mean, like, like, like look at this. Different. Like, we're sitting here, we're having like the most honest, relaxed conversation. This is how I try to approach everything. Yeah, this is like, this is who I am, and I try and sh- I think sometimes I show way too much, mm-hmm. and I'm way too open, and uh, it it creates this very like vulnerable area where people can sort of take what they want. And I don't think that's necessarily the most effective way of conducting interviews because it can be rather destructive. Well, we're also in a constant, it's a clickbait culture, right? So if there's some way to spin something to be a little more edgy, edgy or to draw, it's to draw some people to, okay, on one level, people who like braids will see this story show up 
in yeah. their feed or whatever or on the website. And they're like, oh, I like braids. I'm going to read the story. But you also are trying to ultimately everyone constantly, you know, to the point of like it's exhausting for everyone is trying to draw new users, you know, yeah. uh, unique views. Mm-hmm. So they're going to get like <laughs> some want story. They want something controversial. Like, yeah. And you were subject to this. And Definitely. you also are in a situation where you had kind of an interpersonal issue that has colored this particular era in your yeah. life <laughs> uh-huh. and, and this record. And, and, you know, you're trying to work. We were talking earlier about sort of um, your struggles with uh, mental health issues. And uh, do you find this process to be therapeutic? Like what we're doing right now does, because this is, this, this is what could be so rewarding about interviews. You learn, oh, definitely. You, you, learn learn, you learn a lot about yourself. And I think when you have somebody who's kind and who's actually, uh, interested in what you do and supportive, like I was saying before, it's so nice, yeah. so nice to talk to somebody. But it can also be super destructive. Like I was like bawling when I read the Exclaim article, and I was like, I don't want to go on tour. Like I don't want to like I don't want to do any more interviews. Da, da, da. Like I was freaking out, and I like went to my bed for like two hours, and like Austin and Taylor had to like come get me out. So there's like, it is at times like really really difficult. But I think you just you learn how you want to. Uh, handle the interview and and also handle like the aftermath of the interview have you subsequently given a lot more interviews so you No, i've actually i've been giving a lot less interviews i've been turning i've done a lot more of them but has yeah since been doing a lot more interviews and i'm very choosy now with with who i talk to and um also very uh I kind of scope them out and decide, you know, what what it is i want to delve into and and uh, that's just something like to protect yourself because the most important thing is that like I'm able to make music at the end of the day you know nobody uh wants to just like read an interview as people want a record and they want to be moved by a record not by an interview right but the but the (laughs) but the interview thing I mean you're trying to drop personality out of people Mm -hmm. (laughs) like you know uh, the music is always the most interesting thing that's the lure but when you're actually trying to as an editorial person like as you as someone trying to create something that's intriguing to other people you're trying to draw that personality out you're trying to draw those stories out Mm -hmm. so anyway this is a thing you've discovered i know that you're very interesting people because i've spoken to you before and and i like you and i like your music so it works out very well for me it's very easy it's like a no-brainer i want to help you and i want to write about you because i care but some people are just on assignment yeah. You know, and you're discovering this. Mm-hmm. You talked about this when we were on that Polaris Gala together with the purity ring. Yeah. How they're just like... I think that was like at, at the very beginning of the press for Flourish Parish. And I was kind of experiencing that with like Second had Record. That, that piece had come out by then. That piece had you, come you out, yeah. You, yeah. But it's it's very different releasing your second record. Because your first record, people don't know you. They're very fresh. They're very excited about you being a new band. and Yeah. It's... Uh, yeah, it's very different like, releasing the second one. I think, like, uh, just sort of as a closing note on, like, uh, how interviews, like, are. I th- Like, you need to contextualize the situation in regard to our life. Uh, our life is filled with fleeting relationships that last no more than 10 minutes, usually. Uh, yeah. We're in a new city every day. We meet hundreds of people on a weekly basis. Um most of them, I can't remember their first names. Mm-hmm. So when I get a chance to sit down with somebody over uh, a coffee or on Skype or something like that, and to have like, to have like an emotional. Hi Taylor, Hello. it's Taylor from Braids. He doesn't do interviews anymore. I heard he doesn't. No. Is this? Are you stung by the? Do you want to do an interview about why you don't do interviews anymore? 
I'm just curious. Are you also weird? We've been talking a lot about how the band has been a little bit stung lately by press. Is that why you're abstaining? No, it's more that uh, I feel as though uh, an interview very rarely gives the interviewer the option to fully explain something. Everything always gets shortened or the point is always missed, inevitably. Now, do you think that's fair? Is that mostly the case with print interviews? or Like, this is an interview that's just going to be presented as it is. Well, I I think, like, in my opinion, it's more, uh, it's less the, um, like, there's an aspect of it that has to do with the interview uh, format, either chopping certain things out or not giving enough time to really explain something. That's one part. The other part just has to do with the fact that, like, speaking about music... Um, you're inevitably distilling yourself away from the actual intent of what's going on. You know what I mean? Like you're, you're talking about music instead of listening to what's going on. And to me that like, if you want to, at least from my perspective, the like most full, fully realized uh, version of what we're trying to get across is not talking about the music we've made. It's the music itself and it should just be listened to. And so I, don't particularly find interviews very flattering to the art that we're making. It's always an approximation of what we're trying to do. I, I totally appreciate this, and I've been wrestling with it a lot myself lately. I feel like sometimes I've been thinking about it in, in terms of the fact that an artist or a band, a musician, will spend potentially years conveying something very artfully, and then it's my job to get more insight about a thing that they've already been like, why don't you just listen to the record? Like The thing I meant to say... I've already, it's on the record (laughs) and it's open to your interpretation, but it's almost like as a journalist, I don't, and I don't feel this way about myself necessarily. I'm, I'm a lyrics person. I like when people do things that are interesting and intriguing as lyrically, but it's like, we don't trust it. It's like, we don't trust what we're hearing on Mm -hmm. the record and we need you to it's like a trial every interview is like a trial like give us more evidence it's nice to see the person's personality though in an interview yeah and i think that's like one of that's why um having recorded interviews are really nice because you hear the person's voice and there's nothing chopped out and there's no dot dot dots and then connecting a sentence that they said 40 minutes later and you're like what well this is what this is why i like doing this yeah this is really nice (laughs) i like doing this too (laughs) like it's just easier for me to you know uh, if i if i had a print piece to write out of this yeah i've got to do you gotta do dot dot dots you gotta do all the stuff that that uh, you are wary of um Mm -hmm. or, or have become wary of but I think, as you said, it's been a learning experience. It's good for braids, ultimately, and that this is happening. You can't control it too much. Like, no, you, you just, can't. You've got to you let really it go. Can, can, like, you can control your image to a certain degree and, and how people perceive you, but not really. Yeah. So you just kind of have to let go. And that's something that's really difficult is just letting go. But something that we're definitely learning how to do. This has been an amazing conversation, and mm-hmm. I, I feel like we've covered a lot of ground. I don't know that... I feel like we covered some music at some point, which is fine. That's we did okay. our best. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I appreciate this. And Taylor, <laughs> thanks for going on the record. Yeah, it's great, Taylor. Enigmatic uh, Taylor who uh, <laughs> doesn't do much press anymore. Is there anything uh, you can tell uh, people listening about uh, plans, news, these sorts of things? John, the sound man is brushing his teeth it's nice to, it's nice to see you wearing clothes <laughs> um is there something that you can say just about uh, the, the future of braids uh, the upcoming future of braids i mean i don't know when this will be heard so specific tour dates may not be uh, uh useful but uh i assume you will, will you be touring into 2014 yeah yeah, a little bit, yeah. Uh, we're sort of unsure about how we want to approach uh the sort of 
end of our record cycle, I guess, or like middle slash end of our record cycle uh, in terms of touring. But I want to go to strange exotic places. That's the thing that a lot of bands who have toured as hard as you have uh, ultimately wish for. Like, oh, why don't we just do a bunch of different, like you yeah, want to go to the Philippines and South stuff. America. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so that would be really fun. I think, we're, oh, there's lots of, <laughs> lots of different sounds going off here. Yeah. Um, we are really, really, really creative right now. Uh, we've got a lot of ideas and a lot of songs on the go already. So, I mean, we just put out our record two and a half months ago, but we are already like five or six, maybe seven songs into our third album. Do you think that's because of your new approach? Definitely. Mm, it's finally uh, learning the environment that we've created for ourselves and how to create in it. It's cool. I think also just like getting over the hill. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like now we're just on this nice big cruising downhill slope of creativity uh, where we had so much like welled up and pent up like passion and stuff that's just like once we got over the other side of the hills, like the floodgates open and we have like so much to say. And now we have like a really great format and um, process going on now. And that it's just like it's very easy for us to convey our our feelings and our sentiments and and just the three of us connect so well yeah when we're in the studio and it's i don't know it's i think we did a lot of experimentation uh during the recording of flourish parish and i think that experimentation is going to go a long way mm -hmm. uh, in terms of like what it's created Definitely. uh like from an ideas perspective and from an emotional perspective it feels like we went to we just finished a degree or something no. and now we have like we have all the, now we, yeah now we've got like all this this stuff behind like all this like uh experience. experience behind us that we like can sort of go forth now yeah. and so we want to channel that energy and we want i think we're going to go on a writing retreat either either to maybe like joshua tree or like the mojave desert or something <laughs> really yeah we want it's open space because the last two records have been recorded in little rooms with no windows uh-huh so we want big space. more expansive space yeah. thinking about doing like a property rental on like a ranch or something or some sort of like house in the middle of the desert with lots of big windows kind of want to drive somewhere we'll bring lots of water and an extra battery and stuff and then we'll set up tent and maybe record it did you say an extra like, battery like one car. battery just oh okay like, you know like, water and well like people have bring... died in the desert it's a it's a place where humans should not go okay but that's where you want to go yes yeah. but well, with an extra battery have, you have an extra battery so you should be fine <laughs> and a jug of water <laughs> should be great no that's great i i feel like you you know, in spite of all the things we've covered, I feel like you guys seem like you're in a really great place. Yeah, we are. And uh, it's great to, I mean, for what it's worth, I hope you find further peace of mind, you know, I, I, with all of these things. And uh, to be honest, it's, they're, they're just like little interruptions in the big picture, you know, yeah. it's like, oh no, like a it's, bad interview, a bad article. It's all external. Whatever, the the thing like, that what you're saying is that the three of you are tight, yeah. galvanized. Yeah. the hardest part. And, and these things that are happening happen. are external to the band yeah exactly and you've learned to be like ah that's just not part of our band like that's just the thing that happened and mm -hmm. it impacts us sort of superficially exactly okay and it's gonna be really nice to sort of unplug from everything and go to the desert and uh yeah just that's a really nice way to put it that everything happened externally that's nice i like thinking of it like that well it is yeah, yeah. nothing nothing it sounds like it's like that scene in in goodwill hunting it's mm -hmm. it's not your fault will you know, when Robin Williams and yeah. the hugging, why did I bring that up? But it's not your fault. Like all of this stuff that's gone on, you know, I yeah. hope Katie hears this and she feels better and I hope she's just good because she's a good kid. Mm -hmm. You're all good kids. Yes. And I hope uh, everything works out and that you get along because uh, 
be nice to talk to her. It would it'd be a shame to let <laughs> these forces, right or wrong, you know, everyone's doing their job, as you kind of diplomatically said earlier, Austin, but it would be a shame to let stuff like that impact you interpersonally. Mm-hmm. And hopefully it, you know, works itself out. Now, before we wrap this up, mm-hmm. probably should. You want some candy? Is that what you're getting? <laughs> no, I, was, I want some candy in the form of a song selection. Is it okay if we play a song? for people to hear from uh, Flourish Parish? No, we don't let Flourish Parish be played on the radio at all. <laughs> really? No. It's a podcast, though. I, I erased this because it's no, going I'm to be I'm kidding. Trapped. Of course you can play a song. Okay, now what song would, could we hear? What song there? We, we just released a really nice video for the song Girl. Okay. We did a live video of that. and uh, Oh, with um, Portals. Portals. Yeah, I, I watched that. That yeah. was very lovely. You were playing piano on it. I was playing was, piano. The yeah. drummer plays piano. The drummer plays piano. <laughs> I've diversified my bonds on this record. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, no, like I was saying, you know, like uh, this whole process has let me step away from the drums a little bit and explore other sides of creativity. And It's interesting how something that could initially seem daunting or limiting even turns out to be like opening you up to Absolutely. all sorts of other possibilities. Yeah. That's how I should look at life right now. Mm-hmm. Everyone should. If you get steered off one path, it's because you have to go down another. Yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. Everything happens for a reason. Mm-hmm. This is just like that movie, uh, Back to the Future. Oh, yes, <laughs> Do you remember is. that? Yeah. Yeah, remember that movie? It's a trilogy, actually. We should all watch that <laughs> before we leave Mississauga. Okay. <laughs> Let's Hear a Girl by Braids. Uh, uh, Austin, Taylor, Raph, thank you so much for the time. Thank you. The coffee and the thank Snickers. Thank you, Vish- Vishal. Oh. Thank you, Vishal. <laughs> Maybe I'll get my name right eventually. When are you going to 
Hey, thanks again for checking out Creative Control with Vish Khanna. You can email me about the show at creativecontrol933 at gmail.com. That's creative with a K, control with a K, 933 at gmail.com. You can also follow our Twitter at Vish Creative, V-I-S-H-K-R-E-A-T-I-V-E. And you can also like our Facebook page. A version of this show airs on CFRU in Guelph every Wednesday at noon Eastern. And you can listen to that online at CFRU.ca or if you're in the KW region at 93.3 FM in Guelph. You can also sign up for the weekly mailing list for the podcast and the, and the show at vishkana.com and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. I believe that is everything I wanted to tell you. Thank you once again. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.